1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Finley's first throw, maybe. Nope, Will Anderson there, close to a safety. Another sack for number 31. Keep 12 personnel in the field as opposed to going to his big body that involves a couple of 300-pounders from the defensive side. Robinson! Flag is down as he crosses the goal line. He's looking the other way, however. Now buys himself some time. He's going to head to the sticks himself and trot in. Touchdown, Bryce Young. Gallon today has already worked at least six shutout innings in four consecutive starts. Tori Lovello now going to maybe negotiate here. Nope, he's going to go to his bullpen. He's already made the move. Gallon is done after six and a third. Responsible for one base runner. A season-high 12 strikeouts. Zach Allen pitched another gem here today. Over the top to Butler. Open Jimmy Butler ties the game with a half second to go. What a play call. Milwaukee had a timeout and didn't use it. Two-point game. Butler steps in front. Middleton. Allen has it. Down the lane. He got out of time. The Bucks don't get off the shot. Oh and the Miami Heat become the sixth in NBA history to win as an eighth seed in the first round. Thompson to Looney. Green into the paint. Green up and over Barnes. Big shot for Draymond Green. 77-65 and a steal by Brunson. Brunson racing to the basket, and he punches it down with the left hand. He's three of ten. They just keep coming. They do. Morant with a triple. Good. So this is what's scary. If he can start to knock this down like he did in game three. Rays down to their final strike. Astros trying to shut out Tampa Bay for a second straight day. The 0-2. That's a ground ball right side. Dubon, who is right, he secures it, throws to first, and that is the ball game. For a second straight day, the Houston Astros blank the Tampa Bay Rays, winning today 1-0, and they take two out of three in the series at Tropicana Field. Well, it looks like the, the secret to beat the Tampa Bay Rays is just keep them in the ballpark. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Thursday, April 27th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals, should they deal tonight's third pick? The Panthers, are they making the right decision by going with Bryce Young at quarterback at number one? The uh, Diamondbacks, how would you describe the disappointing homestand? Maybe I just described it. 
Meanwhile, from the NBA playoffs, what happens to the Bucks after their first-round elimination? What else stood out on Wednesday night, four games last night, and do the Celtics finish off the Hawks tonight? Meanwhile, on the diamond, are the Astros back? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 will be the fourth of five segments this week, previewing the NFL, NFL draft. Tomorrow, we'll have the re- first round review of the NFL draft. But today, big time preview, Eric Enholm of NFL Media. He is the NFL.com you know, draft guru. And uh, we've had Eric on for years, a variety of NFL topics. But uh, today uh, we take a you know, dive into his expertise, which is the draft, which, of course, starts tonight. 9.30 interactive action, 602-260-1060. Plus the local roundup. That'll include some uh, Suns and Nuggets, some Diamondbacks and Royals from yesterday. Then time pending, some ASU and U of A basketball news. Meanwhile, the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the NBA Playoff Scoreboard and the latest line looking ahead to more NBA Playoff games. And then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, and that will include a segment uh, going around the NBA Playoffs with Zach Cram of The Ringer. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start, as usual, with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should the Cardinals trade the third pick of tonight's NFL draft? We've asked this uh, a few times in the last you know, month or so, but we are here. So, last time around, should the Cardinals trade the third pick of the draft tonight? And Corey's here and has the early returns. Clear decision looks like 100% at no on KDUS1060.com. Those people are 100% incorrect. Uh, More on that in the next segment. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cardinals almost would certainly get more calls if C.J. Stroud is not one of the first two picks. But the third pick does not certainly – I don't think it's – it doesn't have the demand. It doesn't seem to have the demand that it had, say, recently as a week ago. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, are uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers making the right decision by selecting Bryce Young with tonight's first pick? And what do we have here, Corey? Leading right now is yes, 77.8%, no at 22.2% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. All indications are the Panthers are going to select the undersized Alabama signal caller to begin the three-day NFL draft marathon. Meanwhile, also uh, on the back to the local front, actually, the Diamondbacks got another dominant performance from Zach Gallon. Gallon is not around, allowed to run in his last four starts now, all Arizona wins. That includes Wednesday when uh, the Diamondbacks defeated uh, the uh, last place Royals. They won, that game, they won that game yesterday 2-0, completed the homestand, a disappointing 3-4. and four. So was the Diamondbacks' uh, disappointing homestand reason for concern or no big deal? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Jeremy uh, Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler uh, concluded an epic first-round performance. He had 42 last night, 
including the game-tying hoop at the end of regulation. And the Heat eliminated the top-seeded Bucks in five games. How should the Bucks proceed and react after you know, being eliminated in the first round by the eighth-seeded Heat? Meanwhile, the Warriors, um, they broke through last night in Sacramento. Draymond Green arguably was the best player on the floor as the defending champions won a third consecutive game and regained home, uh, home court advantage in the series. Elsewhere, the Grizzlies dominated the second half to stave off elimination and force a game six against the Lakers. That'll be back in Los Angeles. And the Knicks won a playoff series for the first time since 2013 after finishing out the series against the Cavaliers, the favored Cavaliers, in five games. What stood out during last night's four-game NBA slate? After last night's uh, full slate, just one game tonight, the Celtics, uh, one week ago, appeared headed to a series sweep, but the Hawks have now won two of the last three games and uh, tonight, the teams meet in Game 6 in Atlanta. Do the Celtics finish off the feisty Hawks tonight in Atlanta? Meanwhile, in the Diamond, the Astros have won five out of six games now. Pretty impressive uh, stretch of games here. They had a road sweep at previously hot Atlanta. And then the last two days, the defending champion Astros shut out winners at Tampa. Tampa before the last two days previously 14-0 and zero at home this season. So what stood out to you from uh, Wednesday's full MLB slate? Maybe the Astros, maybe somebody or somebody, uh, some, some something else, or a team or individual, whatever. Uh, we had a full slate of games yesterday, daytime and nighttime. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or, if you are just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by an NFL draft preview. Eric Edholm joins us, so scheduled to join us from NFL Media. Eric has a uh, his uh, latest mock draft has the Cardinals uh, a projected trade involving the Cardinals. So we'll uh, tease that along till we get to that in the next segment. Obviously, we'll talk about the first uh, couple of picks and uh, some of the hot topics, or at least I consider to be the hot topics of the draft. Is certainly at least the first round of the draft, which begins tonight. Bottom of the hour to be phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, some more local roundup, a little bit on the Suns and the Nuggets. They don't start till Saturday night. A little bit on the Diamondbacks from yesterday. The Zach Gallon Show continued. You are listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. 
Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Will the Cardinals keep third pick of tonight's uh, first round? Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for an NFL draft preview, we're now joined the Sports Zone by NFL uh, media lead draft analyst and writer uh, Eric Edholm and Eric always good to have you on the show. Let's start with Bryce Young. He's expected to be the first pick tonight by the Panthers. Why do you think the Panthers decided on Young, and do you agree with their with their you know, their preference? I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, but I think the the longevity questions at his weight are, are legitimate, and that's that's what I fear is that he'll be a good quarterback who may not have a. a a remarkably long career or it could be marred by injuries, but you know, he's a special distributor. He's got lightning quick reflexes and instincts as a passer. Uh, pretty good escapability. I wouldn't call him a scrambler per se, but you know, he's sort of like Joe Burrow in that regard where he can, you know, maximize his physical abilities um, and oftentimes make smart, petty decisions on the fly. That benefits his team. He covered up a lot of mistakes for Alabama last year. I mean, they, they, this was not a typical Alabama juggernaut offense last year, and I think he really kind of masked a lot of the, the latent weaknesses that, that they actually had. So he and Jameer Gibbs. So hey, he's he's the kind of guy who I think can bring everything together. And look, Carolina doesn't have the kind of playmakers right now, having traded DJ Moore and traded uh, Christian McCaffrey in the last year. Uh, that his Maybe his stats aren't eye-popping in year one, but I think the intangibles are a strong reason why, despite the, you know, the lack of math that, that typical quarterbacks have in this league. The Texans apparently are not going to select a quarterback at number two. Are you surprised? And how much of that is because D'Amico Ryan's a defensive player and obviously a defensive coach, uh, at least oriented coach. He's now the head coach. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to do. I, at least I haven't seen it definitively reported yet of, of what the plans are. And, and, you know, there is a way where they can trade up to three. They have the number 12 pick. They have 33. They have another second rounder. I mean, they have plenty of ammunition to move up and get a QB if they want. You know, Indianapolis division uh, uh, rivals sitting two picks below at, at number four. There is that Arizona spot in between. They could theoretically move back up to that spot as well if Arizona is willing to come down. One way they could depress the value is by taking a quarterback. I mean, really, it's, you know, if they sat there at two and took Will Levis and C.J. Stroud, the value of the number three pick goes down. There might be fewer bidders. I don't know if this is going to happen, but it's a scenario that, you know, I, I, I talked with, with somebody else to the different team in the league, and they said, look, that would be a smart thing to do if you're Houston. But if they do go pass rusher first, do they still try to make that trade up? Are they comfortable at 12? Is there some other quarterback like Hennon Hooker farther down the line that they like? Is Trey Lance a trade possibility? Mac Jones? I don't know. I mean, these are, you know, there's a bunch of wild possibilities out there that we can't dismiss, but... Yeah, what what happens at two and three? I think is gonna gonna set the foundation for the first you know dozen or so picks in the draft. Their teams picking right below them don't seem to have a clear idea what the Houston Texans are gonna do because I've reached out to you know the teams picking four, five, six, seven, eight that range, and they're all kind of waiting with waiting with bated breath to find out what you know are they gonna enact Plan A, Plan B, or Plan C tonight? They don't really know at this point. 
So you, you have the Cardinals, you know, who are number three right now, trading the third selection to the Raiders for the seventh pick. Obviously, they get more in just the seventh pick. How much more should they expect if they trade down to, say, the seventh pick? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I, I'm taking a little bit of a shot in the dark here, and it's hard to really know how it's going to all play out. But, you know, obviously, you, you, you talk to your sources, you talk to your betting markets, this is the possibility. You know, you look, you look at kind of the landscape. I think it is. Maybe more likely that, that Vegas sits at seven now after kind of checking with some people. But if they did, I mean, you know, there have been some recent comps that have been pretty good. I mean, if you look at the, the Jets-Colts trade from five years ago and Sam Donald was the target. Now, that trade occurred, oh, at least six weeks before the draft, I want to say. I mean, it was in March. I don't remember exactly when, but... Um, it, you know, it was a good bit ahead of the draft, and I think they got three second rounders in return, if I recall. Um, you know, that Braden Smith and, and Shaq Leonard and those guys were all part of that cold draft class. But is that going to be the price on the clock tonight? I don't know. Um, you could probably accept less than that if you don't feel like there's a player worth taking a three. I've heard Paris Johnson is somebody Arizona could like. You know, certainly a defensive player like a corner or maybe Nolan Smith. I mean, heard lots of possibilities players that could be available lower than three so or theoretically anyway so i don't know what direction they're going to go or if their trade is available but you know i would think some, some day two capital is would definitely be coming their way yeah with, with the seventh selection after your your trade with the raiders you have them selecting a corner uh your oregon corner christian gonzalez what do you like about gonzalez i've been begging for the cardinals to take a corner in the draft for like i don't know seemed like a half decade so yeah. you know, what do we like what do we like about him yeah i remember the last two drafts you asked me hey what, what's the story at this position who can we get and you know we're, we're still there it seems like but yeah gonzalez started at colorado ended up at oregon and I didn't think he actually played all that great early in the year, but I would say by the end of the season, he was playing at a very high level. Some of it had to be adjusting to the new system a little bit. And, um, but the length, the athleticism, the instincts, just how fluidly he moves as an athlete. I mean, you know, that size of a corner, being able to kind of flip his hips and run the way he does, find the ball in the air. He showed a little more playmaking ability uh, in, the, in the latter half of last season. I, I I saw that why teams were so infatuated with him. It took me a little bit to warm up to him, but once once we got to that point, especially in a draft that isn't loaded at the top, you know, it made sense that he would be considered one of the top 10, 12, 11 prospects, depending on who you hold. So I think he would be – he's had enough experience three years starting. I think that he would be able to step in right away and, and handle – not only speed, but also uh, receivers who can play in the air and some with a little more length. Talking NFL draft with uh, Eric Gadholm of NFL Media. All right. Uh, by the way, check out uh, Eric's NFL. Go to NFL.com and check out his uh, mock draft. Yeah, I got some random stuff I just want to cover with you. you know, I mean random stuff. I'm just you know, throwing stuff against the wall to some extent here. But let's start with the quarterbacks. I think that's less than random. Uh you know, the Cardinals, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, that the, you know, actually the Raiders trade up and take C.J. Stroud at number three. Why is Stroud falling? Is it the testing situation? Why Stroud and maybe not Levis or Richardson? I don't know that he's falling. I, I don't I think a lot of this is, is a media-driven narrative, and I don't mean that I'm not blaming my industry. I'm just saying this is what, what happens that we – 
you know, people, there's a lot of groups that go out there. We put mock drafts together. I'm part of that, you know, and, and we, I mocked, you know, Stroud to, to the Texans. I mean, he still could go two tonight. I, I'm not ruling that out. I, I don't know. It's funny because I've gotten such a range of opinions on what's actually going to happen. Tonight's going to have some, some fascinating drama, but, you know, if he were to go fifth instead of second, I don't think you could reasonably argue that, oh, his stock is trash. But I'm guessing that that ST test, which is still relatively new, it's a cognition test, the test, you know, measures how quickly athletes are responding to, to new information and uh, how quickly to down to the millisecond they can they can react to these things. Is it perfect? No, but I think it might be a better measure than, you know, other psychological tests or the Wonderlake or other things like that. But for him to score as, as reportedly as poorly as he did, so out of range of the other quarterbacks, it had to raise some red flags. It had to force teams to go back to the tape when they got the results and say, what are we missing here? What You know, can we – can we pinpoint how this is applicable to him as a prospect? Um, and then that's going to determine, you know, whether they feel comfortable with, with him or not. So he defended, you know, he said, look, I'm not a test taker. I was there. I asked the question yesterday. And, uh, you know, he'll be a fascinating test for this S2, which has really only been used around the league for maybe six, seven years. And I would say has grown in popularity, but it's still not considered this, you know, gold standard flawless, test it's just another measurement you know that we used along the way in the draft process so hard to know what, what the ultimate result will be but i don't think he's going to crash and have some some awful free fall or anything like that b john robinson he went to high school in tucson seems yeah. to be a high high character human being uh and he certainly does more than just run the football what do you think of him and how much is the the fact that he's a running back uh, knock him down some here. Well, first of all, you're really right about the character. He got some excellent character grades from, from teams. They loved his, his personality. I mean, he's always got a smile on his face. He's just one of those kids that just has an aura around him, I think, when he walks around. I saw him yesterday volunteering. It was just like, man, I love this kid. <laughs> he's a terrific, right. terrific prospect. He really is. I mean, I'm going to give you a big name, but he reminds me of LaDainian Tomlinson. And you know, he's going to be a better receiver in college than he was at Texas. They they didn't throw the ball to him a ton, but he's got exceptional hands for that position. He's going to be a real natural. And in this era, even as the run game cycling back in, this is almost the perfect fact. And this might be the perfect draft for him, too, because this is not a year where we have, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's and Kyle Pitts's and, and Jamar Chase's and, and just, you know, all these sort of, blue chip, you know, high-end prospects with a thrilling potential at premium positions. So I think Bijan coming out now, this is a great spot and a great test to see the true running back of that, I mean, the true value of that running back position. So I think it starts at eight with it for him at Atlanta and goes to maybe Tampa Bay's pick, you know, 18, 19 or something like that. So I think that's his range. And there, there are probably multiple teams in that range that would consider him maybe even a trade-up, but, you know, it would take a team that I think is pretty close to contending to, to feel that comfort level. So, yeah, I get it, the, the running back value question. But I, it's not apples to oranges. So not every draft class is the same. I, I think you have to look at it in a bubble and say, he might be the safest prospect in this draft when it's all said and done. And they, every top prospect 
has at least one notable flaw that holds you back just a little bit, right? Jalen Carter character, Bryce Young size, whatever you want to say. I mean, C.J. Stroud, the test, you know, whatever. Everyone's got at least one flaw, and here's Dijon that I don't think has a major flaw in his in his portfolio. You just mentioned Jalen Carter is going to ask about him next. How difficult is the off-the-field stuff made it difficult? Not necessarily to evaluate him, but uh, you know, just try to figure out where he might fall here. Yeah, and it wasn't just his involvement in the, the January 15th crash you know, that, that caused the death of Devin, Devin Willick and uh, recruiting staffer there at Georgia. And, you know, he wasn't obviously blamed for their death, but he was there and, and possibly part of it. There was some, obviously, deception maybe involved with the police. Uh, there are other things from the past that people have kind of looked at. Some have come out, some haven't. I would say a lot of them are in the concerning level, especially when you add up multiple incidents to say, you know, what do we have here? Is this an immature kid or is this somebody who, you know, that we have to be really concerned about here? And I think it trends towards the, the former a little bit more. I think a lot of people feel like he does need to grow up, but so do a lot of 21-year-olds, you know. And yeah. if you have a strong locker room and you feel good about your, your coach uh, and your coaching staff, and just the environment you have there, his talent is terrific. I mean, that's that's the best way to say it. he could he could be a destructive three technique, like a you know uh, Quinn Williams or some of the best uh, you know like Chris Jones something like that. So he's a, he's a special player when he wants to be, and it's just a matter of knowing you know what your infrastructure is and whether you can handle it. I still think he's going to end up being one of the first seven or eight picks off the board, a little maybe a little higher than I had him going at number nine to Chicago this year's first round with all the new head coaches and front offices around the league has it been more difficult uh, for you to try to you know project what might happen tonight yeah that's a good point you know I hadn't really considered that that fact but I think there's probably some element of truth to that where you know a lot of new people they're all kind of getting to know each other on the fly and building staff and things like that building rapport trying to figure out who has last call and, and, you know, how much influence everybody should have on the draft. So, yeah, there, there's probably some of that, that that went on that I didn't really, uh, you know, think about prior to this, this offseason. So I also think just the, the uncertainty of the quarterback and the mixed bag at the top of this draft has caused a lot of confusion. Uh, we have several teams with multiple first-round picks, so there's also that, that – that aspect that can kind of throw a wrench in everybody's plans a little bit and for trade-ups or stay put use the ammo, move down, what have you. I just, it's just one of the more unpredictable drafts in recent memory, and which is exciting. You know, I don't care about my mock draft score. Like, if I do well, great. If I don't, who cares, you know? I, I get to watch it play out tonight. Everybody else does. And we're going to have some drama at some point. I just I would be shocked if this was a boring you know, uneventful first round. I think there'll be some surprises. So it's, it's kind of added a little bit of sparkle to a, to an otherwise, I don't say lackluster, but just a, it's not a special draft class at the very top, I don't think. Okay, along those lines, last up, uh, what positions do you think are deepest in quality depth and what positions are lacking some? I'd say the deepest are probably corner, tight end, uh, rare depth at that position, rare depth at corner. We don't usually see as many there. Edge rusher is pretty darn good. I think, you know, other people may disagree, but that would probably be my number three position. And then on the bottom end, I would say in some order, 
it may end up being mostly on defense. Linebacker, off-the-ball linebacker, safety, defensive tackle. You could argue offensive line, like the interior especially, I would say, guards and, and you know, that's why you might see Joe Tippman from Wisconsin be a first-round pick tonight. The, the interior group is really only about four or five centers, and there's maybe seven or eight guards that I think have, you know, normal kind of grades that you would expect there to be a kind of a bigger pool this year. So those are the spots that are a little weaker, I think. Eric, always a pleasure talking to you. I know you're in hot demand, especially today, so thanks for making time. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the draft. You too. Eric Adholm, NFL media lead draft writer. And uh, we've had Eric on for years, a variety of things, whether it be the draft or the NFL in general. But definitely a guy I wanted to get on today, and I appreciate him, as I mentioned, making time for us. All right, next segment, phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. We'll get to some local roundup, and uh, we'll see how much time we have in the next segment because I'm probably going to go a little longer than usual in the national roundup because I want to get to the basketball games from last night in at least a little bit of detail. Uh, so uh, we'll see how this goes. But we've got plenty of time to get you in if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. Also, don't forget, the extra point uh, coming up uh, from 10 to noon with Kayla. And uh, we'll have more on the NBA and the uh, playoff situation. I'm sure we'll get more into the draft, the Cardinals, and other teams as uh, it is day one of the three-day, some might call, and I'm raising my hand here because uh, I would call it a marathon. Uh, so more on the NFL draft. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time 602 260 1060. Get to phone calls in just a couple of seconds. A couple of quick things here right off the top here local roundup related. The Suns, of course, off until Saturday when the Nuggets series begins in Denver. Uh, the Suns, uh, the four seed, are actually uh, without the home court advantage as the four seed. They are favored to win the series against the Nuggets. Now, much of this series price has to do with the high volume of future bets on the Suns to win the NBA Finals and also the Western Conference. There's liability, major liability in some sports books. So, you know, they're, they're trying to. You know, basically make up a little bit of the uh, you know, difference here you know, by having the Suns as a, a favorite. And, and once again, uh, shop around you know, with all the sports books and you know, the way that things have accelerated and uh, escalated in, uh, in the United States in recent years and obviously offshore, etc. You can get all kinds of wacky prices uh, and uh, variants of prices. So you know, shop around and get the price that best suits your... Fancy, I guess, to some extent. All right, the Diamondbacks win. Zach Gallen saved uh, the Diamondbacks from an uh, even worse homestand. The Diamondbacks finished 3-4 and four on the seven-game homestand uh, with him uh, winning uh, you know, two of those games. Uh, he won Friday night against the Padres. He won yesterday afternoon against the Royals. Uh, on Wednesday, the uh, they were basically the Diamondbacks with Gallen pitching were 3-1 to one favorites, and that's uh, normally an outrageous price. 
in a baseball betting on a you know, one-game thing. Gallon finished with 12 strikeouts yesterday, one shy of his career high. Was pulled by Torrey Lavello after six and a third innings uh, after he threw 97 pitches. And the Diamondbacks are being careful with Gallon as they should be with the pitch count. I'm assuming because he does have an injury history, of course, as recently as a couple of years ago. Uh, he hasn't allowed a run now in his last four starts. That extends uh, his scoreless streak to 28 innings. Of course, last year he had a 44 and a third inning uh, scoreless streak. So the you know, last, uh, you know, since the All Star break last year, and I don't have the stats to back this up, but there there can't be too many, if any, pitchers that have been better than him. And Dallin now four and one on the season. Uh, for this year, he struck out six straight hitters, by the way, in the fourth and fifth innings. One shy of the franchise record. You can probably guess and probably guess who and in what year the franchise record was established. 2001, uh, Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling each had stretches where they struck out six consecutive hitters. Up next, the Diamondbacks off today before they be in a three-game series at Colorado. That's a series that could be a problem uh, for a questionable best pitching staff. We'll see how that goes. Gallon not, uh, will not start in Colorado, obviously, having pitched yesterday. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, I know we talked a couple weeks ago about the St. Louis Cardinals and their lack of uh, pitching in the organization. It's funny, every time you talk about Gallon, I think about the Gallon Alcantara matchup from a couple of weeks ago, where Cardinals fans had to be squeamish <laughs> watching that. So, just well, they've that. got squeamish about a lot of things. They even sent yeah. Walker back to AAA yesterday. Yeah, not great. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the draft. Um, as an Ohio State guy, what are your thoughts on CJ Stroud? Do you think the um, lack of success for Ohio State quarterbacks is legitimate and plays into? Um, him being uh, potentially a faller? I don't think it really does. I, there's definitely been a lack of, you know, they, they've had kind of good college quarterbacks, but he's the best passer they've had by okay. far, ever. Okay. And at all three levels. I mean, he doesn't just throw the ball down the field or, you know, outside the hash marks. And he's tremendous in touch passes and short passes. He had a tremendous dynamic. Uh, he's gone through like three or four tight ends the last two years, and that was never an issue. Granted, he's got like the best receiving core sure. in college football the last two years, yep. also. But yeah, he he really he's a tremendous passer. You know, I know this testing thing is you know apparently hurt him some, and we'll see where he falls tonight. But uh, yeah, he's really good. And uh, you know, Paris Johnson, though, at the, you know, there's, I know there's some talk that the Cardinals are going to take him at number yeah. three. I would lose. I think that that would be an enormous mistake if the Cardinal. I'm not convinced he's a left tackle in the NFL. I know okay. he didn't give up very many sacks last year, but but had more to that had more to do with Ohio State getting rid of the ball quickly sure. and you know, really kind of comp- compensating for. You know, maybe not being the best pass blockers in the world. They're, you know, they've got the uh, Jones was their right tackle, and I guess he's going to be picked either tonight or tomorrow. And I don't really, I'm not sold on either of these guys being long-term NFL tackles. Okay. Um, when Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, Bob, we we heard a lot about the inaccuracy, the lack of help offensively, um, all the physical tools, but you know, really raw. Tell me why. 
Um, and I'm not saying I like him, and I'm not saying he compares to Josh Allen because uh, we don't really know how any of these guys are going to turn out. But tell me why Will Levis isn't in the same boat from that perspective. Um, I would say I'd have him in the same boat uh, okay. if I go back to what I thought of when I thought of Allen at the time. Um, yep. I think it's you know I don't know if some people totally disagree with this, but uh, I think it's really unusual for a quarterback to improve accuracy while he's in the NFL. Oh, without question. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I don't just don't think Levis is that good. Um, Okay. Yeah, he was really good two years ago when he had you know arguably the best offensive line in college football. Uh, those guys all left for a variety of reasons. They changed coordinators. He lost Robinson in the draft yep. to the Giants. He wasn't good last season. It wasn't all on him. Uh, but, you know, he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford when he was at Penn State. Yeah, that's a concern. And, and, and all he did at Penn State was they, they, put, have a, they had a running run the ball package for him. That was it. That was the okay. deal. And uh, – so yeah, I'm I'm really I don't quite under I'm completely baffled by all the Will Levis hype and he might go as high as number four I guess tonight yeah, to the Colts. That's what I'm hearing as well. Um, lastly, I know this is not a Howie Roseman type pick. I know they usually um, look on the line of scrimmage, whether it be on either side of the football. But I think and under I understand the the, the, the devaluation of of the running backs, but. Yeah. I think Bijan Robinson makes a ton of sense for the Eagles. Oh. Not necessarily, not even yeah. from a perspective of him being maybe the safest guy in the draft, but he would take a massive physical toll off of Jalen Hurts, who they just committed a lot of money and a lot of years to. Um, any chance that happens? What, what are your thoughts if that were to happen? There, there was a lot of talk about this early in the week. It seems like it's died down the last twenty-four yeah. to forty-eight hours, but Absolutely. I think it's the greatest fit of all time. Um, okay. Yeah, and Robinson, uh, Eric mentioned him in the last segment when I asked about him, but you know, he's a tremendous pass blocker. He catches the ball. They didn't throw it to him a lot, but he actually did no, line did up as a wide receiver in certain yep. formations last year. And yeah, he's just, and like I said earlier to Eric, he, he appears to be like the greatest human being on earth. Yeah, uh, so I hear about him, everybody raves. They have a different story on how good a kid he is. So, Right. Well, I saw him in two interviews yesterday. I forgot which product he was hawking uh, the last couple of days, actually. And you know, he's just an incredible human being, it seems. And it's unfortunate that when uh, you're smart for him, but unfortunate uh, for yeah. the state schools in Arizona, that even though he went to high school in Tucson, uh, he never seemed to really even consider ASU or the U of A. Well, it'll be an interesting night, Bob, and I uh, wish you all the best yeah. if you do have any uh, financial interest in the, in the draft. I do not, so I'm just okay. going to watch and hope the Cardinals don't screw it up. Take care. Have a good so. one. All right, thank you very much. All right, coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. I'll get to some NBA from yesterday. Time pending, get to some NBA for tonight and uh, moving ahead to the rest of the playoffs. And... Uh, Really time-pending and most unlikely is uh, maybe a little baseball in the next segment. Don't forget the extra point coming up uh, in the next two hours from 10 to noon, hosted by Kayla. That will include some NBA uh, you know, playoff discussion. Zach Cram scheduled to join us from the ringer. Last night, certainly an interesting night, and Jimmy Butler might have. Uh, there haven't been too many playoff performances in one round ever. 
and I've been watching the NBA playoffs since the 60s. Uh, not too many rounds ever, and I was living in Chicago when the Bulls won the second set of three championships, but his playoff round against the Miami Heat, uh, excuse me, against the Milwaukee Bucks, epic, including last night in the deciding game five. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back, final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. All right, from the NBA postseason scoreboard from last night, Jimmy Butler completed one of the greatest individual performances ever during a playoff series. This was two nights after he got 56 points. Last night he got 42 points. And uh, the uh, you know the eight seeded Heat eliminated the top seeded Bucks in five games, and uh, mentioned uh, you know the two amazing comebacks two nights ago or Monday night the uh, the uh, Heat outscored the Bucks thirty to thirteen in the final six minutes in Miami. Last night they came back from a sixteen point fourth quarter deficit. Butler's layup uh, put the game into overtime. Uh, he scored at the end of regulation. And uh, he averaged in the series 37.6 points, including that 56-point game in Game 4. The Warriors regained home court advantage last night against the Kings. Steph Curry, 31 points. Draymond Green, the highest-scoring game, any game, regular season or postseason for him, in five years. And the Warriors ended the first road win of this series. They win at Sacramento 123-116. to so they take a 3-2 lead. The Warriors have now won a road game in a 28th consecutive playoff series. That's an NBA record. They've never lost a Western Conference playoff series since Steve Kerr has been the head coach. Green last night, 21 points and 7 assists. And uh, this was kind of a general nuisance as it usually is, but you know, 21 points, as I mentioned, that's 2019 is the last time he had that many points. The Warriors will try to wrap it up with yet yeah, they won the last three games after they lost the first two at Sacramento. So they try to win a fourth straight game and win the series Friday night at home. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies, as predicted on Wednesday, uh, stayed alive by beating the Lakers last night. The the Grizzlies led it was just 75-74. Then they went on a 26-2 run which bridged the end of the third quarter and started the fourth quarter. John Morant uh, had almost a triple-double, 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. Anthony Davis more than showed up, 31 points and uh, 19 rebounds, but LeBron just 15 points, 5 of 17, and only 6 free-throw attempts in the game. He looked like he was running on fumes. However, the Grizzlies did lose three-point shooter Luke Kennard, to a left shoulder injury, and he's a left-handed shooter, uh, and a good one at that. Meanwhile, the Knicks, uh, they are basically, they were just tougher the entire series. And Jalen Brunson outplayed uh, the more heralded Donovan Mitchell for the most part in this series. And Wednesday night's clinching win against uh, the Cavaliers, the Knicks out-rebounded the Cavs 48-30, to including 17-4 to on the offensive glass. That resulted in a 20-3 to second, uh, second chance points advantage. And uh, Brunson finished with 23 points. He scored at least 20 in all five games in this series. Moving forward, uh, the Knicks might be without Julius Randle. 
in the next round against the uh, against the Heat. Nixon Heat, they've had some epic series way back in the day. Uh, Pat Riley's still with the Heat, so you know, he like throws up the the first ball for the opening tip or whatever. Anyway, Julius Randle. Uh, had to leave the game last night with an ankle injury. Um, they say it, it's not related to the injury that he had that sidelined him towards the end of the regular season. So tonight, we only have one game. Uh, Boston, a seven-point favorite on the road at Atlanta. They opened five and a half. And people banging Boston in this game. The betters up to seven. Total in the game at 222.5. Tomorrow night, Sacramento and Golden State, as I mentioned. Golden State a seven-point favorite in that game. The Lakers try to finish off Memphis again. Uh, Memphis, uh, this at Los Angeles, so late, the Lakers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Saturday night, uh, the uh, Suns at the Nuggets, and the Nuggets a two-and-a-half-point favorite in game one of this series. And then on Sunday, game one between Miami and New York at MSG, and New York a four-point favorite in that game. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That includes more NFL draft stuff, more postseason NBA discussion, more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.